Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for being with us. Uh, as always, we pray we're a blessing to you. Uh, the majority of the time, you're going to get kingdom principles from us about uh, discipleship and living life in the kingdom. Today's not going to be any different. Uh, a kingdom principle day found in Galatians 6, 7 through 9 is you reap what you sow. And you're going to find that all through scripture. So uh, if you if you can, we're going to be in the in the book of Galatians for a lot of a lot of this sermon. <clears throat> and uh, let me read it to you. He says, "Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corrupt, corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit." So we must not get tired of doing good. Uh, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge, uh, to speak to a person watching or listening. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And then, uh, Lord, uh, uh, you look at all of us, but you look at me differently. <clears throat> and uh, as a teacher of your word, a preacher, I'm under a great and a more strict judgment, and I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. We want to begin with verse 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, uh, he will also reap. The word deceive there uh, means don't be led astray, Don't, because when you're deceived, you're, you're led off course. You're led astray. And uh, they said, make, make no mistake about it, God will not be mocked. And the word mocked here means you have turned your nose up uh, against him. You, uh, you have uh, ignored him. Uh, you are trying to outwit him or, out, or to fool him. And we know that that doesn't happen where we, we don't do any of those things. We can try and we can think we can, but scripture highly highly shows us that uh, God is not to be democked or to, or to try to be deceived, fooled, outwitted, ignored, all those. So we don't turn our nose up against God and we shouldn't. And then he gives the principle, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. It's all through scripture. Some people are gonna act like that scripture and God need to catch up with the times today, meaning being current, pertinent. Uh, which I think he is, but then you're going to understand that time is going to return to the Word of God. First uh, Peter chapter one verse twenty-five says, "But the but the word of the Lord endures forever." And this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. Matthew twenty-four thirty-five: Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus says, "My words will never ever pass away." So some people are thinking that God needs to catch up, scripture's outdated, kingdom principles are for another time and place, another season of life and, um, and, and, and another timeline. And you're gonna find out that uh, what he says is true and what he says is going to happen is going to happen. I do believe in the providence and the sovereignty of God and it's gonna happen. And a lot of people want it to change and adjust it and that's just not going to take place with him. You, you may try to change it and adjust it yourself, but his word is firm. It says God's word is fixed. So what changes? 
Is God going to change? Scripture says there's no, there's no variance or changing of God. No, but what hopefully happens is you. I, uh, I, I watch uh, on YouTube uh, with, uh, through our television, I, I watch documentaries occasionally. I may see four or five a year that have to do with uh, battle and that had maybe around the Vietnam War. And I do this, my, my dad and my brother were military. <clears throat> and I do this also because of the many funerals that I've had of, of men in my instance. I know there are women as well, but I've not had their funerals, but it had been funerals of men uh, who uh, died and not necessarily died in battle, but had been in battle. And they were heavily decorated for what they had done. And um, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look them up in preparation for the funeral, <clears throat> but also just looking deeper into their life. And if they were in a certain battle or whatever in a place, I'll, I'll look it up and read what happened there. So, uh, I was able to see a documentary called The Man Left Behind. And uh, uh, it's, it's the Battle of Long Vey, which is in Vietnam and near the DMZ or, or the, the line that separated North and South Korea, not far from Quezon. And many people have heard of the battles that happened at Quezon. In uh, the Battle of Long Vey, Long Vey was a, a, a special forces camp. And uh, one of the one of the leaders of that camp, uh, one of those in charge, of it was Colonel Paul Longrier. And uh, this, this, the man left behind is a story about uh, Paul Longrier's life and then what happened to him in battle. Um, his, uh, his dad died when he was young. Uh, he pretty much said, nobody's gonna tell me what to do and when to do it. And he tried to live his life, kicked out of, kicked out of college. I believe uh, Colonel Longrier was raised in Jonesboro, Arkansas, a place I'm pretty familiar with. I have a, have a lot of dear friends there uh, and uh, because of, of an area where I duck hunt in that area. But anyway, he, he, he was married. Uh, wife was a believer. And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, Colonel Longrier just ignored God. He just ignored anything. He snubbed him. Uh, he didn't want anybody controlling his life. He goes into the military. <laughs> I know I said earlier, he didn't want anybody telling him what to do. You go in the military, that's what they do. They tell you what to do and when to do it. But he snubbed the Lord and uh, he was headed off. Uh, he was in special forces. He was a Green Beret and he was an officer and building up into uh, greater, greater stages of being an officer. And when he said goodbye to head to Vietnam and his training for Vietnam, um, his wife said two things to you that I will pray for you. And secondly, I'm gonna send you those Rice Krispie treats that you can make at home. And uh, he, he didn't say anything about the prayer to his wife. He said, make sure you send the Rice Krispie treats, which is his way of saying is I snubbed God. I just ignored anything to do with God. I didn't want anything. It's fine if you did it, but I didn't want anything to do with it. He said when people did stuff in the army through chaplaincy, he was just kind of like, well, let's just get through this. It, it has no meaning to it whatsoever. Um, but he said when he got to Vietnam, occasionally, he said it was like that phrase, I'm gonna pray for you from his wife would just circle in his head occasionally. So he's uh, sent to Long Bay. It's a special forces camp. He's there, um, the enemy attacks. 
and uh, they this is the first uh, first tank assault in the Vietnam War, and they come in and anyway they're destroying the camp and uh, they're asking for reinforcements they can't get them. Um, it boils down to the camp down down to eight men in a bunker and these tanks are just destroying bunkers as they get to the one they're in and. Um, and uh, he said, it just kept spinning in my head. My wife saying, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, he, he did eventually make it. Some of the men didn't. I think, uh, I think they, five out of the eight survived. But he said in the middle of that battle, he said, war just stopped. He said, literally. He said, it just stopped. You know, shells were coming and there was, guns are going off and Tanks are shooting, and he said, but it just stopped. And he said, I heard footsteps. He said, God came to me. The Lord paid a visit to me. And uh, he goes into a longer story. But anyway, in that moment, he surrenders his life to Christ. Now, I, he, he said that he could even see the tank, and and it just stopped, meaning the smoke that was coming from the tank stopped. Just It just paused. Life just paused. I'm going to say this. I'm going to come back to his story for a moment. I uh, did a wounded warrior project taking some people hunting and a man uh, turkey hunting in Estill County a few years ago. Uh, James Michael Haddix, we call him JM, he was with me. Uh, I went to the banquet. Now, JM didn't go to the banquet. Uh, and a uh, man gave his testimony in the rock, right in the middle of a firefight, uh, an ambush. He said bullets were whizzing by his head. He said, it's as if everything stopped. He said, I ran into a wall that I couldn't see, literally an invisible wall. And he said, it was the Lord. He said, I was saved, literally. He said, I felt the war pause. And I've just heard this over and over again, whether you believe it or not, this is their story. I happen to believe it. Uh, but he said, the war stopped, God revealed himself and he surrendered. Uh, he comes out saying he was saved both ways. He was saved uh, out of that bunker, he was wounded. Uh, but he was saved from that, and then he, 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 as soon as he get a phone call, he called his wife and said, Honey, I've been saved. And she goes, I know, I'm talking to you. He goes, I don't mean that way. He said, The Lord paid me a visit. And now uh, Paul Long Greer, uh, he lived hard life hard. He cussed hard. He, he, he worked on people hard as he trained them. He was just a difficult man to deal with. Now you'll find him as a preacher. He surrendered his life to ministry, and he is now a preacher. I'm saying all that to, to, to tell you this as we handle these next two verses, that you can change your life. There are some of us who want us to change the Word of God. There are some of us who want the Word of God to catch up with the 21st century. There are some of us who want to change God himself and the way he views sin. And we're going to talk about how we need to acknowledge what is sin against him because it never changes. It makes no difference what century you live in, it never changes. What changes? We change. And he sent us a savior to do that very thing. I want you to look at verse eight. We've handled Galatians 6, 7. Let's look at Galatians 6, 8. It says, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Uh, we sow in two ways in our life. It's either sowing from the flesh or sowing from the spirit. Paul really doesn't give any middle ground there. Um, and he says we, if we sow from the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. 
Uh, I want you to look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This, this is not a pretty verse. These verses aren't because it lists what living in the flesh looks like. And let me just read it to you. It says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, Paul writes. Remember, we're in the same book of Galatians, just a chapter before, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousies, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and then he says, I don't think any of those things are funny. I think the next slide phrase is funny and anything similar. There's really belief that Paul's like, I could just keep adding to this list. Um, I tell you about these things. These are things of the flesh in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and then you're, you're going to be mad at me for saying that, but that's what the word of God says. I want to tell you, that's not going to change. We want to change it. We're going to want to shift it around. We're going to want to remove things from there. Uh, and it's not going to change. He said, if you, if you sow from the flesh, this is what it looks like. You're going to sow life from the flesh. I just want you to know that's harmful. It's, it's incredibly harmful. We, uh, we've got to get back to acknowledge the, the, the power of sin and what it does to us. Someone's sin will affect you, even though you may not know them. And someone's sin may affect you and you live in the same house with them. Uh, it is that sin has a ripple effect. I, I've ref, been referred to it since I started preaching in uh, 1985, that uh, it goes public. Your sin, though you think it's secret and private, it's gonna go public. And uh, we can be completely innocent of it and somebody else's sin put that consequence on us. Uh, that's just what sin does. It's destroying not only the person doing it, but all, all kinds of people who are absolutely around it. And he says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. You may have to wrestle with these verses or maybe even this book. Uh, the Galatians, but it says these these will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to take you in, in a scholarly way or an attempt to be that way back to verse 7, Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived or led astray. God is not mocked. Don't you turn your nose up to him. Don't you ignore him. Uh, Colonel Longrier did, but he eventually surrendered to him. For whatever a man sows, uh, he, he also... Is able to be is able to be is able to, to to reap what he sows. So you this phrase in verse twenty one, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, it needs to go back and realize in verse seven, Galatians six seven, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want you to know God is not going to be mocked. They become matching points there. God will not be mocked in what he has said. He will not be mocked in that list. I just don't want you there. I love you enough, I don't want you there. Plus, if you live in life there, you're sowing from the flesh, and it says that it leads to destruction. Uh, verse eight says it leads, it leads to corruption. And the word there, destruction, corruption, whichever your version is, means a putrid corpse. Uh, I've... I've I've been at places where there have been fatalities. I've too many that I even want to think about. 
and those who work in EMS and those who are paramedics and in the, even in the hospitals, but especially a scene where there's been an accident or whatever. And we have that saying that you can smell death. Um, there are times I get back from a scene and I just take a shower. I just got to be honest with you. And I know there are other people like that too. It's not just me. But uh, the destruction here means a putrid corpse. Uh, the smell and the look of decomposition is just being destroyed. Uh, I can only speak for Kentucky because I live here, but I see things about our nation and then throughout our world. But we're, we're, we are seeing a, a putrid corpse and we're seeing it because uh, of what sin is doing. We're sowing things in the flesh and it, it looks like and smells like a putrid corpse. It's decomposing, it's leading to destruction. But here, here's the beauty of it, what Paul says. That I don't like that part, it's there. I have to, as a preacher, I have to tell you about it. Uh, but I like the second part because we either sow from the flesh or we sow from the spirit. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from uh, the spirit. If sowing from the flesh leads to a dead crop, then sowing from the spirit leads to a wonderful, beautiful, healthy harvest. I like that one better. Uh, for uh, the spirit is eternal life. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We're, we're back in chapter five. Paul shows you what life in the flesh looks like. Then in verses 22 and 23, he shows you what life in the spirit looks like. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law because it's grace and of the spirit. Uh, and I like that list a whole lot better than I like the one of the flesh. As a pastor, I'm to challenge you and even try my best to steer you to living life in the spirit with all those things for it, it, it becomes a beautiful picture. You're either gonna sow from the flesh or the spirit. I'm asking you today <clears throat> to look at your life and make sure you're sowing from the spirit of God. Verse nine. So uh, we must not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. The whole phrase of this is if we don't give up. It, it, verse nine shouts out, don't quit. Don't quit. We're, we are so result oriented that we want to see things automatically. We want to see them happen that way. But I, I, I want you to look at verse nine. It says proper time or due time. And if you sow from the spirit, you are promised you are promised a harvest. But, the, but what defeats the spiritual farmer, me and you sowing in the spirit, from the spirit, is that we, uh, we get tired, we grow weary, uh, and we lose heart. We don't need to be able to do that. You, uh, you, we wanna give in to evil sometimes because it seems like it's too big to battle. Or we wanna give in to difficulty because it's just like walking and waste deep mud. It just becomes very difficult. Don't, don't lose your focus. I want to tell you, don't lose your focus. I shoot sporting clays. I love to shoot sporting clays. Um, there's a group of, of people in our church that shoot sporting clays, and we, we don't just shoot it for fun. We shoot them competitively, sanctioned, registered tournaments. And uh, we uh, shoot 12 or 14 stations. You move from one to the other. It equals 100 targets, depending on how many per station you shoot. And uh, we, we want to win. You know, we, we work hard. Practice. I practice. 
um, at, at being able to work on that. And here, here's what happens: if I don't, if I lose my focus, I will lose my tournament that I'm shooting in in the last four stations, like st- stations nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. If it's a twelve station tournament. Uh, or 14, it would be 11 or 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It, it, get, it gets difficult because you're tired, your focus starts breaking down, and that's it. But if you, if you focus, it's usually when you pull away from the crowd. If you uh, lose your focus, that's usually where you lose your tournament. I can say that about golf. The last three to four holes of golf. Uh, can be a place you lose your focus. You either win of the tournament because you focus greatly there or you lose it because you haven't focused. I can say that about people going into the fourth quarter of a ball game. Uh, we often we often work out and because we want to be fourth quarter strong. Why? So we can pull away in the competition. Um, I can say that about baseball, inning seven, eight, and nine. A lot of people lose their focus there and then they end up losing the game. Keep your focus, keep your focus. I know you can feel beat down right now with the pandemic and everything and all the adjustments and coming out of it, but sow from the spirit, okay? And let God's spirit do his work. I wanna tell you a story of William Carey, a missionary to India, felt called to India. We're talking 1793 here. Preached there for seven years. Uh, uh, sometimes in a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, he was faithful to preaching the gospel uh, to the people of India. Uh, in seven years, he had not one conversion, not, not, not even one in seven years. Discouraged, but he didn't feel defeated until December the 28th, 1800, seven years later, he baptized a carpenter that he had won to Christ, and I, I find it kind of neat that he was a carpenter actually, and his name is Krishna Paul. Uh, and Krishna Paul was baptized in the Ganges River. And uh, from then, from that one conversion brought an incredible revival. And even if you look at India today, there's a great revival in the planting of churches in India that is going on today. A lot of people say it's because of the faithfulness and the faithfulness of his preaching, William Carey, that began in 1793. Remember, seven years, saw no result of his ministry whatsoever. And then this one conversion, and then it broke out into an incredible revival. Listen, do good, do good. Don't, uh, it says we, we must not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Listen, I'm gonna go back to that list in Galatians 5, 19 through 20. And I don't care where you are on the list. I just don't want you on the list. You're going to have to read that verse verse 21 as well. Um, I want you to know he can and he will save you. But don't mock him. Don't ignore him. I'm asking you to surrender to him now. Sow in the spirit. Because you're going to sow in life. You're going to sow one of two ways. From the flesh uh, to our own flesh, or we're going to sow to the spirit, sow in the spirit and a harvest will happen. It is promised. So don't quit and you stay focused on him. Okay. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. You keep doing the work of the kingdom and the mission of Jesus and the mission of the church. You keep doing that, do it fervently and do not give up. Okay. It can look dim out there, but I'm telling you his light is shining brightly. 
we say to each you, I love you, and then we always leave each other with this grace and peace and make sure you're living in both, with, both of them. God bless you.